You're listening to the Connect for Children podcast, where we talk about pediatric clinical trials in Europe. Welcome to another episode of the C4C podcast. I'm your host, Rita. In this episode, we will focus on the KDCAP trial. What's the study about? How can it benefit children? I'm joined today by Professor Paul Brogan, Joint Chief Investigator of the KDCAP trial. Paul, before we discuss the clinical trial, can you start by briefly explaining what's a chief investigator? So I'm, I'm a joint chief investigator because I've learned in doing clinical trials that it can often be too much for one person and what happens when you go on holiday. So it's good to have a buddy that you can team up with and um, it's my absolute privilege to have a, a co-chief investigator who's a professor that's been at a left through. Now, at one level, the job of a chief investigator is to fill in every single piece of paper that comes your way and to do it honestly and truthfully and in a timely fashion. But essentially, a chief investigator is someone who has developed the protocol, who has helped obtain funding for the protocol, who writes the first draft of the patient-facing documents, uh, gets all the glory when the amazing trial has all the benefits from the patients and takes the hit when things go wrong. And what does KDCAP stand for? Yeah, you need a trendy name for any trial. It's the most important thing because you, you usually have to live with that name for about 10 years or so, possibly longer. So KDCAP, K-D-C-A-A-P, stands for Kawasaki Disease Coronary, which means heart, artery, aneurysm, swelling of the, of the, of the artery, prevention trial, KDCAP. And so you mentioned Kawasaki disease. Can you explain what it is? Yeah, it's named after a, a famous Japanese pediatrician called Tomosaku Kawasaki, who died two years ago in his 90s. In 1968, he, he observed children who present with high fever, red eyes, skin rash, swollen lymph glands in the neck, red lips, swelling of the, the, the fingers and toes, and he termed the condition Kawasaki disease. What he didn't initially realize is that this disease was also causing inflammation inside the body, specifically affecting the heart arteries, and that causes what we call coronary artery aneurysms. But the name Kawasaki disease comes from Tomosaku Kawasaki, and despite decades of research, we still don't really know what causes it, uh, and, and we're still puzzling over how best to treat it. And how common is this disease? Does it primarily affect children or also adults? This is a disease of children. You'll always get the odd report of some poor adult who develops it, but really this is a, a disease of children. In Japan, it's a common disease affecting about one in 90 children under the age of five. In Europe, a, a rare disease is defined as any disease that affects less than one in 2,000 people, and that's the case with Kawasaki disease, where the frequency is, is around about between five and 10 per 100,000 children under the age of five. So it's a rare disease by epidemiological definitions, but that shouldn't put you off making the diagnosis. So about that, actually, how is it diagnosed? And also, how is it treated now? Yeah, you would think that in this day and age that we'd have a, a simple diagnostic test and researchers have been trying to develop such a test, but none exists. So believe it or not, us doctors have to rely on clinical acumen to make the diagnosis pattern recognition. But here's one really important point. 
many people think that all the features I've described, like red eyes, a skin rash, red lips and high fever, are going to be present all at the same time. They might be, and if they are, that's lucky for the doctor, because then they can make the diagnosis. And some patients present sequentially, in other words, the red eyes might have been and gone by the time that they come and see the doctor. So that, that poses diagnostic challenges. So it's diagnosed based on the doctor remembering about the disease and putting two and two together and coming up with the diagnosis. These days, many parents will make the diagnosis because they will go onto the internet and they will find resources. They might even find this podcast or they might find our excellent patient website, Society. Society is like the word society, but instead of having a Y at the end, it's got an I in the end. Don't ask me why. I didn't name it that way. It's a great name, though. Um, you can easily Google it. And all the features of Kawasaki are there. And we've had many patients making the diagnosis despite doctors getting it wrong by going onto the internet and finding out about it. The next question, I think, was how do we treat it? The treatment is known about the basic treatment for Kawasaki disease since the 1980s. It seems that if you give antibodies derived from many blood donors, a thousand blood donors, and give it to a child, a big dose of it, over 12 hours, that can dampen down the inflammation. We're not really certain how it works, but it does seem to work. But the point is, we've observed in recent years that it's not working as well as the initial clinical trial suggested, hence that a need for a reappraisal of globin or antibody treatment as the, as the sole primary treatment for Kawasaki disease. That's the whole point of this trial. And why is KDCAP's study important for children that are affected by this disease? We hypothesize that if you give children a very cheap medicine uh, on top of the intravenous immunoglobin, it's called prednisolone. This is a steroid medicine that every country has, costs a few pence, that we can prevent lifelong cardiac injury. So the whole point of, of the KDCAP trial is to help prevent heart damage in young children and allow them to live full and normal lives. So how are children found to participate in the trial and how are they offered the opportunity? So they come on a rather precarious route. So in the UK, the child will develop a fever and a rash. They will go to see their general practitioner who most likely will diagnose a viral infection. They will go back a week later because things are not going so well and they're still very febrile. And eventually they'll get sent to a local paediatrician who may or may not make the diagnosis of Kawasaki disease. If they do make the diagnosis of Kawasaki disease, most paediatric units will have a, a local protocol which will begin to treat them. We have been advertising the KDCAP trial and have managed to try and get 60 sites in 15 different countries available for this trial. And by having podcasts like this, raising awareness of the trial and having support from our patient organisation who, who use social media to promulgate messages about the trial, we're hoping to get patients referred to us sooner rather than later. During the COVID pandemic, we received many referrals for Kawasaki disease uh, because the question was, is it COVID or is it Kawasaki disease? And we were very grateful to see them. So people normally don't know much about how clinical trials are done and what are the steps. But how should the parents evaluate whether participating in a trial is right for their children? You, you, it's a very difficult question. On the one hand, you have a very anxious parent and a very sick child. And then you, at one level, say, I want to experiment on your child by bringing them into a clinical trial. And some parents might worry, well, great, we're interested in the results of the trial, but not for my child. The reality, however, is if you explain to parents, parents are delighted to take part in trials because they genuinely believe 
that the person doing the trial knows about this rare disease that's been causing a lot of consternation by the local team and that if you can reinforce the importance of different mitigating strategies if things are not going well in the trial, then I think you can usually persuade parents it's the right for them. Uh, the good news, however, is they have a choice at any point, and we emphasise that if they don't decide to come into the trial, they'll get the best care available, irrespective. My last question is, why do we need more studies like ADCAP? It's amazing that despite modern paediatrics having many different treatment options, many treatments that we use in paediatrics are not supported by clinical trials. So unless we do the trials, we'll never know for sure. In the era where medicines are becoming scarce, like intravenous immunoglobin, we're going to be looking to trials for more available medicines to, to make children better. And also it's important to have investigator-led trials. So that's types of studies that are not done by drug companies like the KDCAP trial, because they will explore cheap medicine that, that drug companies are not interested in perhaps. Uh, and so might be incredibly beneficial for children, but just because there's no money in it, a drug company might not want to do it. So I think it's very important that trials like KDCAP that are investigator-led, exploring widely available and cheap medicines that are off-label, but used and well-known about, are so important for paediatric practice. So we really hope we get good engagement from, from uh, doctors, nurses, parents and patients to open up in as many countries as possible. That was all for today's Connected Children podcast. By supporting clinical trials, we're working towards a world with better medicines for babies, children, and young people. To find out more, visit our website, connectedchildren.org, or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you for listening, and tune in next time for more great content.